And welcome in to another edition of That Sports Show. And man, that song gets me fired up. I'm so glad we used that song. It is not any sports show. It is not this sports show. It is that sports show, which makes me Jeremy the Impact Dork. It makes you my late, amazing listening audience. And it is so glad to be back talking sports with you guys. Now, of course, as always, we don't always like to do the show this late in the week, but stuff happens, man. I'm one of those people that likes to stay to get the job done, so of course, that means sometimes other things get pushed back, and unfortunately, it was this this week. Those kinds of things happen. So much to talk about. So much to talk about, including Georgia State's big victory. There it is. Georgia State's big victory. Uh, the NFL's got tons and tons of stuff going on as people are jockeying for playoff position. Um, we got my picks which I released the college picks earlier today before the game started, except for one, but you guys knew who I picked in that. Uh, looking pretty smart on the second game right now anyway. Because let's see. The other three games have not started. But yeah, I look pretty, pretty good in the conference championship games. Either way, today's episode is called Shuffle the Deck. Why is it called Shuffle the Deck? Well, there's been a lot of shuffling lately. Especially college football. And that's where I'm going to start. There's been a lot of shuffling in the head coaching world. It's going to cause a lot of the transfer portal to be super active. Because coaches that move from one program to another, well, you're going to see a lot of, a lot of the kids... A lot of the student-athletes that are going to want to do the same thing, they're going to follow the coach. It will be interesting to see on some of them. But also shuffling the deck, it's one of those, as soon as you think you know what's going on, somebody changes things up. It reminds me of the famous Roddy Piper quote. Roddy Roddy Piper, you guys know I'm a big wrestling fan. Rowdy Roddy Piper used to always famously say, just when you think you know the answers, I go and change the questions. And it feels very much like sports does that. Life in general does that. Keeps you on your toes, keeps you active. So let's start with the NCAA. And let's start with some of the shakeups and the things going on. Uh, Jacksonville State, who is going to be moving to the FBS very soon, they've named former Arizona and Michigan head coach Rich Rodriguez as their new head coach. I like Rich Rod. He didn't do 
the most amazing job in Michigan, but he's a good coach. Michigan is a tough place to coach. Harbaugh has learned that. But I think he's going to do well in Jacksonville State. Uh, I look forward to them moving to the FBS. That should be fun. That means that's a team that has that decided to upgrade to a different level of competition. And I wish them the best. The University of Louisiana, who plays against Georgia State, they are a really, really good team. They have had a fantastic couple of years. Well, their head coach, Billy Napier, has moved on to the University of Florida. Yep, SEC fans, yep, Georgia fans, as you were gearing up for today's SEC title game, and even you Alabama fans, uh, Florida's getting a new coach, and Billy Napier is a good, solid coach. I'm not just saying that because, it, you know, uh, I've seen him coach before, and I'm not just saying that because for the sake of the show, I'd tell you if the guy what I didn't think was that good. I think Billy Napier, if he can get those kids to buy in early, you're going to see Florida have a resurgence. And look out, dog fans, because then you'll finally have competition in the East because you didn't really have it this year. At some point, you got to know these teams are going to rebound, and so... That's why, Georgia, it's, it's your year. If you don't win it all this year, you're going to really have to have to grind it out the rest of the time. Uh, let's see. It was Napier. So I'm going to go ahead and just get this one out of the way because I'm a fan of it, too. Notre Dame has named their defense coordinator, Marcus Freeman, as their new head coach. Why does Notre Dame have a new head coach, you ask? Well, we will get to that in a second. But Notre Dame had an option. Their option was to hire a big-name, high-profile guy or to hire the right guy. And the right guy was Marcus Freeman, who was in-house. He uh, is beloved by the players. The players were on board with this. They actually reached out to their players and said, what do you guys think? And everybody loves Marcus Freeman. So congratulations to him on being the new head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I look forward to see what Marcus is going to do and what he has in store. And why does Notre Dame have a new coach? Well, it's because their former head coach, Brian Kelly, has decided to go to LSU. And I spent a lot of the week saying that, uh, oh, he's, He's dodging the big dogs because Notre Dame has an easy, you know, they're not in a conference, so all you got to do is go 10-2 and two and 11-1 and, and, one and, and uh, you know, kind of choose your opponents and, and make it to the playoff. Well, I actually think it's the opposite. I don't think that he's dodging anybody. I think that Brian Kelly is going full head steam ahead, full head force, head first, into the biggest competition he sees, and that's the SEC. And he says, you know what? I think I'm I'm a great elite coach. And how can I best prove that? Well, I can go to the SEC West and face Auburn and Nick Saban in Alabama, and I can face all the powerhouses in the SEC East. And I could face them on a yearly basis. And that 
is how I can show everybody that I'm an elite coach and that I could resurrect the LSU Tigers back to their glory. I applaud it. I applaud it. He wanted to do something different. He's been, what, 10 or 12 years at Notre Dame. He's done some really good things, but he knows the best path and the best way to prove his skills is to get LSU to a national title, at least to the game, if not the national title. And the way to do that is to go to the SEC. I'm not saying everybody should just up and run to the SEC because we're going to get to the next case here in a minute. Somebody who did the opposite. But Brian Kelly wants to test his skills as an elite coach by taking on what he feels like is the elite conference. And I agree. So I wish him the best. Cajun country is not anything like you're going to see at Notre Dame. So I wish him the best. It would be good to see LSU back doing some great things. And we'll see where it goes from there. And last, but certainly not least, in the move that caught the University of Oklahoma flat-footed. They were, I don't think they saw this coming. Lincoln Riley is leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. Now, once again, I spent the better part of the first of this week thinking, oh, he's dodging the SEC, which is where Oklahoma will be very soon. I don't think that's the case, though. Lincoln Riley. This is this is the deal he got, all right? We already know about the millions of dollars and things like that that, that just, I mean, hey, makes sense. He's an elite coach. He's going to USC, who would love to be back in the glory days that they were with Pete Carroll, but you're not going to hire Pete Carroll. So they hire Lincoln Riley, arguably one of the, the uh, best coaches in college. He goes to the Pac-12 where, I don't know, who is the, did I even pick that? Yeah, who was the best team in the Pac-12? Utah? Utah just beat Oregon on my picks. Utah likes to score a lot of points. Uh, what, he's got UCLA over there. He's got Oregon. There's a lot of teams that are that are good but not great. So, if he's already recruiting in California... Lincoln Riley is notorious for recruiting in California, so now he recruits these kids to stay closer to home, which is what a lot of them would prefer to do. Stay closer to home, be part of a winning program, get exposure to the NFL. Lincoln Riley has sent a lot of people to the NFL. This is a win-win for a lot of areas and people. A win-win for sure. On top of, here are the parts of the deal that are just amazing, but this is how bad USC wanted it. Lincoln Riley has two pieces of property, a.k.a. houses, in the Norman, Oklahoma area. He had one, and he was in the process. I think he just built uh, the new big home there. USC 
bought both homes. Um, above asking price, I think at fifty or five hundred thousand per one or fifty thousand. I think it's five hundred thousand per one. So, so USC now owns those houses, which they'll they'll eventually sell and everything. And they not only did that, they bought Lincoln Riley a home near the USC campus. So they bought three houses, the two he had, and bought his new one now. As part of the deal to get him to move out there. That's when you know somebody wants you bad. I mean, think about it. If your boss, if your boss at work was, uh, maybe you're talking to them about a raise. Or maybe you're talking to them about advancement. And uh, while those talks are going on, one of your competitors comes up and says, Hey, um, we want you to come work for us. We're going to up your pay. We are going to buy your car. Um, buy your car for one and a half times what it's worth. So if you have a ten thousand dollar car, they're gonna they're gonna buy the car for fifteen thousand, and they're gonna buy you a new car to come work for them. I'll be honest, I enjoy my day gig. And I enjoy my night gig as much as as well, but I enjoy those. But if you start sweetening the pot like that, you suddenly have my attention. And at that point, we're going to have to really sit down and talk. Because you're showing your willingness to do whatever you have to do to make me a part of your team. No wonder Lincoln Riley went out there. I don't doubt it. I, like I said, I would have to seriously consider it. Think about it in your day job. Like I said, your competition comes up and they say, hey, we want to buy your car. And uh, or maybe we want to, I mean, they probably aren't going to buy your house. But hey, we want to buy your car above asking price. And we want to buy you a new car so that you can get to and from work at a safer area. And if you, if you need to, we can rent you an apartment out here for the first year closer to us to make it easier on you or maybe they say hey if you come to work with us we can enroll your child or your children at this elite academy daycare academy for the first year to make it easier on you you know you got to think about it you got to think about stuff like that 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 is how they are i don't like using the term this way but they are selling out for the cause. They are saying, we need you, whatever we have to do. And if you're Lincoln Riley, how can you not take that? How can you not take that? It's not the personal Oklahoma, but USC is is uh, potentially a top 10 job. Oklahoma's a great university. It's probably a better program right now. But when USC's rolling, why would you not want to be in Southern California over Norman, Oklahoma? Oklahoma's great. I'm a Southern kid. I love that kind of stuff. But most people would like to be in Southern California. So good for him. Good for Lincoln Riley. And good for USC for doing that. So far, the only domino piece we have not seen is where Oklahoma is going to go. I think they're going to wait till the uh, 
till probably after the season because we know bowl games will be announced tomorrow as we're watching conference championships today. I'm sure they're actively looking around, and uh, whoever they pick, I think, will put them in a good spot. A lot of people think Bob Stoops could come back so that his his son, was it Mark? It's Mark. So that Mark Stoops could eventually take over. Or there's a lot of big-time coordinators in the SEC and other places that could easily move into that spot. So we'll see what happens. That's the NCAA right there in general and what's going on. Uh, we're watching the Baylor game here, and I'm looking pretty smart on the Baylor uh, the Baylor-Oklahoma State game. So we'll get to that in a minute. But let's move to Georgia State. While we're in college, let's talk about Georgia State and their big victory, 37-10 over the Troy Trojans. Georgia State was able to rush for 247 total yards, led by um, Jam Williams, who had 108 rushing yards and a touchdown, 83 for Tucker Gregg. Darren Granger, the QB, actually had 47. And actually, uh, Antoine Lane had seven. That was that was uh, pretty cool. Uh, Receiving-wise, having Sam Pinckney and Aubrey Payne catch the touchdowns, I think, were, were very, uh, just fantastic. Sam Pinckney, that, I believe that was his first touchdown of the year coming back off the injury that has plagued him all year. Uh, we actually talked to him post-game, and uh, to see the smile on his face, he's, he's just such a genuinely nice guy and, and uh, super awesome young man. It was good to see Sam with a smile on his face, and we said, hey, what, what, what's it like catching that touchdown? And he's like, you know, it's, it's just absolutely just amazing based on the journey he's had. Like I said, Aubrey Payne catches one as well. My goodness, he is a he is a he's a monster. Aubrey Payne. Uh, he's also one of our most favorite interviews because he is just fun. He's just fun. Uh he's the redshirt senior. I mean there's the fact that him and Roger Carter could be gone next year. Gosh, we're gonna miss him a lot because we, we enjoy both those guys, but hey what a great tenure they've had, if, if so. Uh, also, uh, there are there were two fumble returns for Georgia State, including a, uh, a fantastic one by uh, Jamil Muhammad, who had a third quarter to remember. And what I mean by third quarter to remember... He had, uh, gosh, how many did he did he end up with? Did it say on here? It did not, but he had a couple sacks. He scooped up the fumble and ran it back like 72 yards for the touchdown when Blake Carroll just smashed, just smashed into Gunnar Watson, the Troy quarterback. And uh, it's, it's, it's like Jamil Muhammad in the third quarter, remembered the fact that we haven't said his name a lot this year in the media and the fact that, uh, you, you know, he just, uh, he's been having a great solid year, but it's like he wanted his, his chance to, uh, 
to, I guess maybe he just wanted to talk to us in the media. I don't know. But when you have a quarter like that, it's kind of hard to ignore it. And I'm glad we got the chance to do that. He is a fantastic young man as well. Overall, you look at Georgia State and their season, they went uh, seven and five on the year. They went six and one in the Sun Belt. Both of those seven and one, uh, six and one in the Sun Belt, I believe, is the best conference record they've ever had. And seven and five ties the best regular season FBS record they've ever had. It it just shows you that's that's a lot of why you can see the evolution of this program. Obviously, they'll have to wait till tomorrow to see which ball game they could potentially go to. But before we get into that, the evolution of this program, I tend to think they've had at least two, maybe three of their student athletes announced they were going to the transfer portal. That is, uh, they had Quad Brown, quarterback, and they also had... Uh, Colin Westfelt, I believe, who was a redshirt freshman from uh, from Ackworth, Georgia, who has decided to enter the transfer portal. I swear there was a third one, but I think that just shows. Because a handful of years ago, the transfer portal didn't mean anything to Georgia State. Because they weren't really going to get anybody and nobody was going to really leave. Then a couple years ago, you had a few transfers in. Uh, one of which ended up being Darren Granger. But even before that, the transfer portal meant that Georgia State was starting to get people. And then fast forward to 2021, where we're at right now. Georgia State is to a level where people are transferring out and they're not running from anything. It's that they're wanting the chance to play more. So if you're the third string long snapper, if you're the backup quarterback, you want to use all your eligibility you can, and so you're going to move to another program. I think that just shows the evolution and how deep these these rosters are, that people are transferring out for other opportunities because in certain positions here, if you can't beat out the starter, then you're the backup. I, I think that's a big plus for this program, that people are now transferring out because of the depth. Uh, and once again, just to go over all the, the bowl games, here's the ones they're potentially looking at. We know the Sun Belt Championship is today, I believe. Uh, probably coming up in a couple hours on ESPN. Uh, here's the bowl games that they could potentially, Georgia State could potentially go to. Friday, December 17th, the Cure Bowl is at 6 p.m. Uh, in Orlando, that is on ESPN2. They've been to that twice. There's a chance I could go there. Here's the leading one. Saturday, December 18th, the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile. That is a 545 start on ESPN. Chance I could go to that. Uh, you have Saturday, December 18th as well at 915. That is the RNL Carriers Bowl in New Orleans, ESPN. Most of the time, the Sun Belt champion goes to that, so maybe, maybe they don't go to that. Who knows? Monday, December 20th, Myrtle Beach Bowl at 2.30 on ESPN. That's in Conway, which is right outside of Myrtle Beach. That is a Myrtle Beach Bowl, sponsored by Myrtle Beach. And then Saturday, December 25th, 
the Camellia Bowl at 2.30 in Montgomery on ESPN. That's uh, that's the five they could go to. Like I said, I think Lending Tree is uh, a very potential. I also think the Cure Bowl. I know they've been there a couple times, but the Cure Bowl really, really likes them for the two times they've been there. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens. We will find out sometime tomorrow how that will all play out and how that, how that will all go down. So, moving on, we will, uh, like I said, we'll see what uh, where Georgia State ends up. We'll see how these conference championships play out. At the moment, it's looking pretty good for a couple of the picks I had. But hey, we got a couple more games later this uh, later today as well. Let's talk something we don't normally talk. Let's talk a little bit of Major League Baseball. And a couple things I want to talk about before I get into the NFL. Uh, Max Scherzer signs with my Mets, which I'm very excited about, and uh, probably owe him a couple shirts based on a Twitter post. So, Max, I will reach out and see where you would like me to send your swag. But uh, Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom on the same team. My goodness. My goodness. Uh, Javier Baez signs a big contract with the Detroit Tigers. Detroit really loading up. I saw the Cubs signed a good handful of people. Uh, you know, people moving around. Free agency in baseball is a big thing, and it makes it more exciting because just because your team loses a big player, they usually gain a big one as well. So, uh, congratulations to Javi and Detroit on that one. And then, and so I didn't, I didn't honestly know these two were together. Atlanta news: the Braves shortstop and and uh, World Series champion Dansby Swanson. Proposed to his girlfriend, Mallory Pugh, who is a forward for the U.S. women's national team, a soccer or football, however you want to call it. Uh, they are now engaged. So congratulations to the happy couple. And uh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Maybe we can get a, a NWSL team here in Atlanta, which I've thought for years that we may be able to get. We just haven't gotten it yet. And uh, maybe Mallory can uh, find her way to this team where she can be with her now fiancé. But congratulations to the happy couple. And then the news that was a gut punch to some and it was an inevitability to the rest of us. Major League Baseball owners have locked out the players for the first time in a good while. Since 94-95, I think it was the last one. So there's a baseball lockout. And this is all because the owners want more money and the players want their fair share. I got to back the players in this. It's it's so dumb that that we can't enjoy a sport because of greed. And that's that's what this is. The play, the owners deserve a fair share, and so do the players, and I agree with that. But anytime the owners lock out the players, it's because they're greedy and they're dumb. They want all the money for somebody else to do all the work. Because without the baseball players, the fans have nothing to watch and to buy the merch and to do things with and to travel to want to see and support. So why would you keep the players from performing to their abilities? Because then you make no money. 
it uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So we're in a lockout right now. All the deals that are in place are just frozen. All the salaries and, and abilities to use team facilities are frozen, which comes into play with ones that are injured because now they can't go to get treatment at the facilities. They have to do it elsewhere. So that will actually matter. But baseball in a lockout somewhere around late January, early February, when spring training would start, I feel like this will get resolved. But until then, baseball fans... I will introduce you to the world of the NHL, the ECHL, and the AHL. And uh, if you want to watch some Gladiators hockey, that's a great thing, or watch hockey in general. Or the Georgia Swarm, who we are about to talk about now, start their season today at 4 o'clock. So much more to get into if, uh, if baseball decides to be dumb and lock their players out of the game. Speaking of the Georgia Swarm, who, as I said, start their season today at 4 o'clock, just a handful of hours from when we tape right now. Let me go over the roster right now. Got forwards Lyle Thompson, who has been with the team for a long time. Tanner Buck, Ethan Ridge, Jordan Hall has been there a while. Brendan Bomberry, Thomas Simple. Jordan McIntosh is the captain. Shane Jackson is the assistant captain. Those two are legends in the lacrosse world, by the way. And Ethan Walker to uh, go over the forward group. The defensemen, we've got Joel White. We've got Cason Tarbell. Adam Weedman. Vaughn Harris. Connor Kirst. Robert Hudson. Not the one I know because I don't think he plays lacrosse. Uh, Chad Tutton, who's been with the team for a long time as assistant captain. Brian Cole is another assistant captain. He is another one who has been with the team for a good while. And they're fantastic dudes. Uh, Jeff Hendrick, Brian McSpaden, and TJ Comizio. Our, goal, our goaltenders are Craig uh, Wind and the best goalie in the league, Mike Poulin. Pirate squad players are Russ Oaks, Aiden Walsh, and Lane Rushka. But uh, Mike Poulin, he just re-signed the other day. He is, no joke, one of the best goalies in the game. Absolutely one of the best in the game. As I told you, they start their season today. At 4 o'clock. At the, uh, I'm not sure what they call the arena. I'll have to figure that out. It used to be the Infinite Energy Center, which I joked all the time what happens when the lights go out. Then the lights went out. But Gas South Arena, that's what it is. Gas South Arena versus the Colorado Mammoth. If you cannot, as I did on my Facebook page and I believe on Twitter, if you cannot go live, because we will obviously not be able to go live be there live ourselves, so we'll be watching as well. You can watch on Peachtree TV. You can watch on ESPN Plus. Uh, there, there's probably some other places you can watch as well, but great lacrosse action. Absolutely great lacrosse action. I love lacrosse. I, I, I had 
had never experienced the sport, and people said, well, if you like hockey, you should. it's like hockey on turf. It's like, all right. So I went to a game. And I, I just, fantastic, love the sport. Same thing with rugby. I'd seen rugby on TV. I was like, all right, let's give it a shot. You see it live, and you're like, holy crap. Is this such a great sport and so much fun to watch? So much fun to watch. So good luck to the Swarm tonight. We will be watching from the studio here, and we look forward to being at some games here very, very soon. Let's talk some NFL. Some decent headlines, some uh, good, bad, indifferent. Christian McCaffrey is now out for the year with a foot injury. He's kind of been in and out of the lineup all year long. I think finally he hurt himself enough to where they said, you know what, we're just going to call it. So Kirsten McCaffrey is out for the year. I think this is Carolina also saying, we don't think we can make the playoffs. And with Kristen Chris, with out, I don't think he can. Uh, as we saw on Thursday, Mike McCarthy was not on the sideline as he tested positive along with eight. Uh, total positives for Dallas, uh, a lot of the strength and conditioning staff. So they put Dan Quinn in charge of the Cowboys. And uh, I, I thought maybe Kellen Moore should be in charge, but Dan Quinn did a good job. Cowboys got the victory, and it kind of shows you can do it without McCarthy, so maybe you should. I still stand by that if I were Jerry Jones after this year, I don't care what the result, whether Super Bowl victory or not, I would offer the head coaching job to Kellen Moore. And I would let Mike McCarthy ride off in the sunset. And then people would say, well, who's your offensive coordinator? Guys, it's going to be an unpopular unpopular thought. But I would bring back Jason Garrett, knowing that Jason Garrett will not be the head coach again. But he can be the offensive coordinator. He's worked with Dak. He's worked with all these guys before. And with Kellen calling the shots, I think, Jason Garrett's scheme would be fantastic. And then with Dan Quinn as as the defense coordinator, Dallas would probably be a top 10 team for a long time. That's just my thought on that. Antonio Brown, Mike Edwards, and John Franklin III were all suspended three games for uh, COVID protocols. I believe they all three had fake COVID vaccination cards. And I'm sure there are other people in the league that do that. But where this all got messed up was when Antonio Brown, who has a history of not paying people he owes, including moving van people and and all kinds of things. He had a chef who called him out for it. All he had to do was pay the chef. You owe the chef money. Just pay him money. You have the money. If you don't have the money, that's one thing. We're pretty sure Antonio Brown still has the money. And so now he's suspended three games. So it's three game checks he's not going to get. And on top of that, another former guy who worked for him is coming after him for about ten grand or better. So Antonio just pay people for doing the services they provide. That would solve all your problems. And to Mike Edwards, you'll miss three games. And if anybody signs Jonathan Franklin, John Franklin the third, 
Well, he sits out the first three games. He's with you. Seattle signs Adrian Peterson. Peterson's not done yet. So they sign Adrian Peterson. Seattle needs practically anybody to run the ball. I'm surprised my phone hasn't rang. Kind of glad it didn't. I don't know that I could necessarily do anything, but I couldn't do any worse. Seattle, their offense is just awful. Russell Wilson doesn't look like the old Russell Wilson because he's coming off his injury way too quick. Um, he's trying to audition for another team, I would imagine. Seattle, it's it's time to blow it up. At the end of the year, I think you let Pete Carroll go or you buy him out or whatever you've got to do. I think you see what you can get for Russell Wilson and you move him on as well and, and a couple other pieces. And you start over, and you just reboot the whole thing because your defense can't stop anybody. Your offense can't score. You're just not having a good time. Maybe Adrian can can spark him a little bit, but I don't I don't really see it. The Giants signed former UGA quarterback Jake Fromm off the Buffalo practice squad. And why did they do that? Well, because Mike Glennon is going to start because Daniel Jones and his neck are not going to be able to go in the game this weekend. And so they needed a backup quarterback, and Jake Fromm has some experience, and he's a pretty decent quarterback. Who knows? Fromm has as good a start as Mike Glennon does to take this over, and Daniel Jones has been awful this year. Maybe he gets in the quarterback competition, and maybe Fromm becomes the new guy up there. Who knows? But congratulations to him on uh, getting a, a full kick because if you are on an active roster for at least three games, then you get credit for the year. And I'm pretty sure Jake has been on one for at least two games with Buffalo. Or no, with... Uh, gosh, we'll see you with Indianapolis. But I feel like he's been on active roster. But if he can be on an active roster for three games, you get credit for the year. And that's not a bad thing. Earlier today, before we went on air, we learned that Hall of Famer and Atlanta Falcons stand out. Play with Philly, too, but he's a Falcon. Hall of Famer Claude Humphrey passed away late last night. We wish the Humphrey family uh, thoughts, prayers, and condolences. And uh, the Falcons community in general are, uh, are thinking about you guys. And uh, Claude is definitely going to be missed. He is, uh, I believe, he's the first Falcon in the Hall of Fame. Fantastic standout and just uh, just a great person. Uh, TJ Watt is active from COVID, which is interesting because we don't know his vaccination status. But we know on Monday he went out on COVID protocol. And he is back as of Friday. So TJ Watt will be back. Maybe Pittsburgh can... Use that to help propel them to win a game. They play Baltimore this weekend. We'll talk about that game in a few minutes. And then congratulations to Leonard Fournette on his four-touchdown day versus Indianapolis last weekend. So we've had Jonathan Taylor for Indianapolis have five touchdowns. We've had somebody else had four touchdowns. I think it was Austin Eckler. And uh, now Fournette has four. So lots of scoring going on, especially these backs that can catch and run. Hint, hint to all you uh, young running backs out there. Make sure you have good hands so that they don't take you off the field and you can run the ball and catch the ball and have big days like this. Now, that leads us to our picks. Our picks. Now, last week, I told you to take Ohio State over Michigan. I was never more happy to be wrong. 
told you to take Oregon over Oregon State. Well, I got that one right. Told you to take Penn State over Michigan State. Missed that one. Told you to take Oklahoma over Oklahoma State. I missed that one. I told you to take Minnesota over Wisconsin. Nailed that one. Two and three. Probably would have been three and two if I would actually want Michigan. But, hey, I'll take two and three and be excited about it. In the NFL picks, I told you to take New Orleans over Buffalo. Whoops, kind of screwed that one. Told you to take Cincinnati over Pittsburgh. That's a win. Indianapolis over Tampa Bay. Just barely missed that one. Told you to take Green Bay over the Rams. That's a win. Told you to take New England over Tennessee. That's a win. That's three and two. I'll take those. I'll absolutely take those. Now, the picks for this week. Once again, I posted the college ones before this show and before the game kicked off, even though I missed yesterday's. Or, uh, you know, yesterday's game happened. These were my actual original picks. Uh, I told you to take Utah over Oregon. 1-0 there. Uh, I took Baylor over Oklahoma State. They are currently up by about 10-plus points. Take Appalachian State over Louisiana. That's a 3.30 kickoff on ESPN for the Sun Belt. Take the UGA Bulldogs over the Alabama Crimson Tide. 4 p.m. on CBS there for the SEC. Now, granted, I think this is going to be a close game. Here's how I've spelled it out to people. I believe that the Bulldogs will be up, let's say, let's say, gosh, what did I say? Let's just look it up. I said, Uh, Bulldogs will be up 24 to 13, and then a late Bama touchdown with about two minutes left will make it 24 to 20, and I think the dogs hold on 24 to 20. I think they're going to win by about four points. It's going to be close, but they're going to still win. We'll see what that does for the playoff at that point. And then lastly, I'm taking my Michigan Wolverines versus number 16 Iowa at eight o'clock Fox for the Big Ten championship. If Michigan wins today. And wins next week. I, I I would very much love to see Michigan versus UGA. I think that would be the best game for the national title. And that's not even a biased answer at that point. But, you know. It uh, is what it is there. Uh, but that's the college picks. Two... To refresh there, Utah over Oregon, which I got. Baylor over Oklahoma State. Appalachian State over Louisiana. UGA, I'm really capitalizing on Billy Napier leaving. Alabama and Michigan over Iowa. Now, pro picks. On Monday night, this may be the game of the week. It may be boring as crap too because the winds are going to be like 40 50 miles an hour it's going to be cold it could be raining or snowing that could make it a boring game to most but i'm taking the new england patriots on the road versus the buffalo bills this is a huge game buffalo has struggled 
Yes, if it comes if it comes down to a run game, absolutely that's what New England does. If it's cold and, and windy like that, you run the ball a lot more. New England has the advantage there. But I'm taking New England. Uh, I'm taking Denver over Kansas City on Sunday night football. I think Kansas City has shown that they can rebound and be a top team, and they are a top team. Something about Denver here lately. Their defense is shutting people down. Teddy Bridgewater is making some good plays. And if they can get up early, if they can be physical early, I think Denver can get this victory. I'm taking Cincinnati over the L.A. Chargers. Cincinnati is at home as a 1 p.m. CBS game. The Chargers struggle a little bit. They're kind of up and down, back and forth. It'd be interesting to see how things play out there. But I got the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they're the more complete team. I think they're one of the better teams in the AFC overall, you know, on paper. And I think the Bengals are going to get a victory. Not the Bengals, the Bengals. The Bengal Tiger, that's what it is. Uh, take Baltimore over Pittsburgh in the 425 CBS game, even with T.J. Watt returning. I think Baltimore is still going to find a way to eke out this victory. I think it's going to be pretty close. It could be 24-20 or something like that. Be within a handful of points. But I think Baltimore is going to win, and it's going to ultimately just tell Pittsburgh where they are, third or fourth place in their division. And then the 405 Fox game, I've got the Washington football team beating the Las Vegas Raiders. I think the Raiders are a really solid team, and they're really good, but there's just some kind of magic. Maybe it's the Fitz magic, even though he's not an active player. There's a magic in Washington right now where I think they're going to find their way into a wild card, and they're a really scary team. Heineke is the new Fitzpatrick. I said that last week. And he's been doing some wonderful things. So I just think Ron Rivera is, is one of those that should be coach of the year almost every year because of what he does with the teams he has. To recap, New England over Buffalo on Monday Night Football. Take Denver over Kansas City on the Sunday Night Football. Cincinnati over the L.A. Chargers at 1 o'clock. Baltimore over Pittsburgh at 425. And the Washington football team over the L.A. Raiders, not L.A., the Las Vegas Raiders at 4.05. Hopefully you guys listen to my picks. Hopefully they do you a lot of good, or at the very least, at least entertain you. But that's going to do it for this edition of That Sports Show, Shuffle the Deck. I am Jeremy the Impact York. Appreciate all you guys for listening. We will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.